Welcome to the Baseball Happenings Podcast. Our guest this episode is artist Blake Jameson, who is featured in the Tops Project 2020 series. We'd love it if you could subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to listen and give us a follow on social media. We're at Examine Baseball on all platforms. Blake Jameson, right. artist extraordinaire, Tops Project 2020. Welcome to the Baseball Happenings Podcast. Thank you for joining us before. Of course. Um, Blake, this has been a really incredible ride thus far with Tops for you. How did the opportunity come for you to get involved? Yeah, so it's crazy because around when they reached out to me, because they reached out to me on my website, just kind of a cool email. I actually had seen another artist named Greg Kreindler, uh, who works with Tops on a bunch of Negro League Museum stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a lot of work with them in the past. And I saw his collaborations and thought it would be a good fit for the type of work I was doing because it was primarily focused on portraits of athletes. And so I was actively like trying to get a hold of tops. I just didn't have any contacts there. And right around the same time, this guy, Jeff Heckman, who runs the project reached out to me through just an email contact form saying, my name's Jeff. I work at tops. I have a project I want to talk to you about. Can we set up a phone call? So we set up a call for a couple days later. He pitched the project and, you know, then we got into kind of contract negotiations and just all the logistics. But it all happened pretty quick, getting it locked in. And then there was like this hurry up and wait period because it was like, that must have been in like October, like about a year ago, actually, probably like September or October of 2019. So, okay, we're going to do this in 2020, but you can't talk about, you can't tell anyone about it until it launches. So like I'd grown up collecting cards. So I was so excited that like what I was hoping would happen happened, but then I couldn't tell anybody. And so it was like, that was a tough, like four or five months before I could talk about it. Mm-hmm. And also at that point, like, I didn't have any idea how big it would get. I didn't know that I would, like, make friends with other artists and, like, connect with the hobby community in the way that I have. And, like, everything. Like, the print runs are higher than I expected. The press is better than I expected. I mean, every single thing of the project is oh, exceeded my expectations. You know, when I was first alerted to it, I was alerted to it somewhat early in the process. But even the way the messaging came to a lot of collectors, even the press was a little bit unclear about what this was. Um, and I connected. Sophia Chang earlier on, and I connected with you, and um, you know, to really like watch it take off. What was the, the biggest surprise for you? Because initially, like the print runs were like fifteen hundred on the first cars. You were like, "How long is this going to last? Is it twenty total?" No, it's twenty times twenty. Um, when did you know that? All right, we had something going. Yeah. So when the project first started, in my head, and I, and there was really nothing that gave me this idea. I just came up with this number in my head, but I thought to, my expectations were a print run, a bad low print run would be 200 and a high print run would be 2000. And so I kind of had done that math in my head with, you know, the royalties and stuff that the artists get. So I was knowing, okay, well, it definitely wasn't going to make me rich if that was the case, but it was something that I could continue working on and have consistent work through the rest of the year. And as an artist, that's a really rare thing to have. So that was exciting. I think when it switched in my head and I realized oh my gosh, this is like so much bigger than I thought is after the Nolan Ryan card came out and then we received the Nolan Ryan cards and we sold autographs uh, on those 70 cards and they sold out within 24 hours. And I didn't even have them on a website. I was just like messaging people on Facebook and just saying, Hey, you know, I have autographs. They're 200 bucks or whatever. Those moved so quickly that then I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is going to be a big deal. Where did that idea come to get uh, to sign your own cards? Because I saw that you were ahead in that space, ahead of most of the other artists. Yeah. Um, 
who had the foresight was, was so it, it was actually, a new crew, it, it was Tony, Tony who had the foresight to yeah. say, you know what, we should buy some of these in bulk and, and yeah. do our own limited run. Yeah. Yeah. So Tony and I met on Twitter uh, back in April, yeah. and uh, he DM'd me and just said, hey, I have an idea for the project. If we should partner up, we should do some autographs. Uh, you know, I'll help with the shipping and logistics, and you make the art and you sign the cards. And so that's kind of how Tony and I met to begin with. We are. Wow, that's that's a really wonderful connection, and and you know you kind of set the standard for a lot of the other artists to start doing their own um, custom work. Um, you know, keeping it on the cards, touring the studio here and facilities, and just seeing the quantity um, of it. How are you managing like being the artist, and then now also running like a secondary business of like logistics and distribution in addition to your art? Well, I think that um, the biggest thing that I've done on that is like hiring a good team. So the idea is that I should spend as much time as I possibly can either painting things or signing things because those are the, really the only two tasks that I'm the only person that can do. Everything else, box, boxing up the cards, preparing them to ship out. Uh, even, you know, when you receive a lot of cards from Tops, even just unboxing them takes a long time. Taking yeah. them out of the bubble wrap outside of the, you know, little clamshell box and then taking them out of the baggie and then removing the top sticker and preparing them for autos. So all of that stuff uh, is supported by the team, uh, which is awesome, so that I can kind of try and focus on just staying the artist. But obviously there is some spillover where, you know, when we're running this size operation, like I have to have my hands in some other things. And uh, But that's fun because unlike a lot of artists that might be kind of purists that just want to paint whatever they feel like and not worry about anything from a commercial standpoint, I've always treated my art like a business and always wanted to have these types of opportunities. And so now that I'm here, I just feel like this is what I've been waiting for and I'm ready to put in whatever work it takes. What other opportunities have opened up for you uh, since these cards have debuted in terms of interest in your art and collaborations with either other artists, companies, things like that? Sure. So a couple things. Uh, relationships with other artists has been a really, really cool thing. Uh, F.Dot and I did a collaboration a couple weeks ago. He was just here yesterday. We were doing dual autographs on those prints. Uh, I've talked to a few other Project 2020 artists about collabing and they're interested in it. In terms of general interest in my art, it's definitely exploded. I've got, you know, for the first time in my life, I have a waiting list for commissions, which is awesome. And, you know, I'm, again, with the help of my team, uh, helping manage that production pipeline kind of in parallel with the stuff with Tops, which is kind of a priority as well. Uh, in terms of other brands, I haven't really pushed for that yet because between commissions and the Tops project through the end of the year, I don't have a ton of bandwidth to like do something else with another brand. And if I do anything, I want to do it 100% and really like give it my best, best art, best effort, best attention. So I haven't pursued that. Now, if another brand came to me and said, hey, you know, Levi's like, oh, we want you to do something with our jeans. You know, they, they actually work with a lot of artists. Oh, we want you to do something with our next line. As long as I could like schedule it to say, okay, well, I, I have these commitments that I need to meet, but after that I'm free, let's do it. Um, I'm certainly open-minded to it, but. You haven't found the six hour interview. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. and, and I think you bring up a good point, right? Where like, um, you, you want to say yes to a lot of things, but then have to recognize like your own bandwidth yeah and then you know whose brand are you working for right right 
And can you speak a little bit uh, to about how this whole process has strengthened or enhanced your personal brand? Totally. Um, and you know that even just you saying that reminded me is in terms of other brands. So, like I, we have a really cool company called Coolwick who designs T-shirts. They do a lot in the bowling industry. They make like the jerseys and stuff for bowlers. It's nice. It's kind of like an Under Armour type of material or a dry fit. So they've sent us a bunch of samples. They want to basically produce a line of shirts that would be like Jameson branded. Um, so that's kind of a collaboration with the brand, but really more putting the focus on the personal brand and building that. I think that that's a huge priority for me. Just like I think this, yep, that's one of my own hats. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's been really cool. I mean, the fact that people you know want to pay for my autograph or buy a hat with my logo on it or potentially buy a t-shirt is something that's never happened to me. It never happened in the past. And now that I have this like lightning in a bottle with the Tops project, I'm going to capitalize on it as much as I can and try and, you know, grow that man. You know, you talk about sign autographs and something came across my head and, you know, a little bit that I've had to do over time, but then working with other athletes and doing signings with them to, uh, you know, to, to do, to do autographs. Um, how have you adjusted like your signature to signing such quantity? You know, at the same time, because I've been with some athletes, and after like 100 or 200 pieces, they're like, "Look, I know that this is this is your specialty, and you're used to working with your hand. Have you had to make any adjustments to your signature or condense it because of of, of time?" Or it's a good question. Yeah. So it's funny because if you look at like athletes' progression throughout their careers, you'll often see that the the autograph shrink and get sure. simple, more and more simple. I actually have a very simple autograph that I've had. And I and it's funny because I can remember the exact night that when I was it was like the first year of me being an artist. One night I sat down with a bunch of just blank piece of paper and I was like, I have to figure out my autograph. Like I need to come up with an autograph. And so I practiced ton, hundreds of times in different variations and different like lengths. And I came up with one that's very simple. That's just my initials BJ. And I've done it, you know, thousands of times now. And unfortunately, when doing these cards in bulk, like it's a pretty fast autograph. It's not like really, it's, it's hard for me to mess up. Sometimes I do mess up because I'm doing so many and I'll have to like scrap that card and pull a, a new one in. But I'm actually the opposite of most, most athletes where like, I think the short form autograph is cool. I will continue using it. But I also would like to, at some point, maybe during this project, maybe after, come up with a little bit longer form autograph that would be more, you know, a special thing. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely wouldn't do cards in bulk like the way that we're doing it now with a longer Autograph. I'm glad that we have something short and easy to do. Right. Because I've been with some art of our, uh, our athletes, and sometimes they're like, "Hey, can I get the full autograph?" And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> it's a lot, di- you know, a lot yeah. differently. And you know, a few players come to mind. Yeah. You know, when doing this, it's interesting. Um, you know, court. Um, before we get into like a, your own collecting, I actually want to go into your athletic experience here, but you played lacrosse collegiately. Right. How did that experience of playing? Uh, uh, you know, playing a sport at the college level um, kind of helped you to relate to the athletes that you, uh, you know, are giving life to who you are. Yeah. So I think that the best example is the question that, that artists get a lot is how long do that take to paint? And sometimes people are thinking, okay, well, they can paint a picture in a day. Why should I pay him a premium price for it? You know, and that's everything, any collector or also athletes. And so when athletes ask me that question, I, because of my experience in sports and understanding that, like, you know, I played lacrosse for one hour during a game, 
but it didn't really, that one hour, it's not like that one hour is what's important. It's the double days and it's the early mornings and it's skipping parties and skipping, yes. the, you know, all the sacrifices you make. And so I relate that to the athlete saying, look, don't worry about how long it takes me to make a painting. Worry about all the time that I've spent prepping to make this painting. Just like when you go out and play a football game or whatever, or a baseball game, you're not getting paid for that one hour for a football game, three hours for a baseball game. Yeah. You're getting paid because you skipped the parties and you got up early to train and you did the double days. And so having that like relatability is really good. And, and when I say it to the athletes, they're always like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like I don't actually care how long you as long as you've done all the prep work and you're good at what you do, you should get paid what you deserve. Right. And they get that aha moment where they're like, oh, you just gave it to me in sports terms. Now exactly. that sense. Exactly. Right. Because it's, it's, it's all those hours in the heat when everybody else is like, it's too hot. I don't know. Right. Out and you're, yeah. you know, running to your puke. I definitely like, I yeah. definitely relate to that. Um, you know, looking behind us, we have a variety of, of collectibles and some sort of lineups on the wall and yeah. sealed wax and autographs and, and slab cards, um, which are the memories of, of right here. So, and it wasn't this physical card because it sure. was this, uh, but this Mark McGuire card was the first card that I really remember, like treasuring as a kid. Uh, I grew up in Northern California. We had season tickets to the A's. And so we followed Mark through the minors, and then when he got called up, and you know, right off the bat as a rookie, breaking the rookie home run record, he was just so fun to watch. And so he's always like, there's nobody that even comes to be a close second in terms of like favorite athlete. Uh, and it's really cool because now, like through this project, getting to reimagine the card of his, that actually led to him and I connecting. And he uh, emailed me after seeing an article in MLB. Set up the phone call and we chatted over the phone. Like you just text the other day because he was autographing some of the people. Awesome. So yeah, I mean that's like my earliest and most dominant memory in terms of like collecting as a little kid. M McGuire was so on top of the hobby. Yeah, that card was a special place for me as well. Yeah. And the '87, that's you know next to it. And um, you know when people talk about the prospect, and you know that card is a hundred dollar card. You know the thing differently back then was right. We didn't have these special, that was like an inserted card, even though it was inserted because right. the 85 Tops card, the Olympics was different. It was like a pre-rookie, rookie card that was, you know, in the set and it was, it was represented like a next. And when McGuire came out and hit the snot out of the ball his rookie year, yeah. um, you know, it just took off just like him and Conseco, right? They yeah. both took off and that must have been a really fun time as a youngster being in Oakland and watching right. them go through, you know, their World Series uh, runs. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and getting there and watching those guys really, like, light the baseball world on fire. Totally. It must have been a great time being out there. Totally. You know, yeah. it's over here. Yeah. We were with the Cardinals. And, I mean, I still, you know, I'm I'm an ace fan. I'm a, But I'm also, like, above everything. I'm a Mark McGuire fan. So I love it all. Right. And then, you know, as you said, you were able to do, uh, you know, his card yep. you know, for the set. And, um, you know, kind of like a USA theme. And was that really kind of kind of a large there? For yeah, some? definitely. Like, it was important to me that I stuck with the 87 tops, you know, kind of pose, and I kept the wood grain border. But I definitely wanted to kind of give a nod to the 85 because that card just meant so much to me. And I think it meant a lot to a lot of people. And so it was really fun to mix those two together. And that was definitely my favorite Project 2020 part of the set. And I can't imagine anything else even being close. Did you get back into collecting before this project started? 
I got into collecting because of the project. Uh, so before the project started, uh, let's see, when was it? Maybe for Christmas. I went home to my parents' house in California. So my dad and I collected cards together between 1985 and 1995. We have every single card. Um, upper deck, all sets. And so I was going through, and fortunately, those cards moved around the country with our family and never got thrown out. So, and a lot of them are still in like sealed set boxes and then we have binders with each player and stuff. So that was really cool to kind of bust those out and go through them. I was also like looking for cards, for example, like 91 Frank Thomas, there's a error that has the no name on the front. Right. It's very rare. I found out about that doing research for the Tops project. And so then I was like looking through all of our sets to see if we had it. <laughs> we did, we did <laughs> not, sadly, but um, yeah. So that like got me like hyped again to see all of our old cards. And then when the project started, uh, Top sent me like a pretty nice care package of boxes, um, which we opened up and then we splatter painted on. Uh, and then that, like, when we once we ripped those packs, we all got really into it. So we'd go out to card stores and we'd just be buying boxes, ripping packs. And then also, like, a lot of the stuff that you see up here was actually sent by fans because, like, online on YouTube every night I stream and I told them like, hey, I used to collect cards as a kid. I have these old cards, but I don't have anything else. And so they're like, oh, well, you know, you should have some new cards. So, like, people sent me, like, most of the stuff up here was gifts from fans, which is, like, it's crazy how generous people are. It, it is. And how does it feel for you to be able to rekindle, you know, that spirit, you know, that you had as a kid with the collecting now and being able to like, still some cool stuff, and I don't care if someone's going to say I'm nerding out, yeah, you know, over yeah. this. How, how, how does that make Yeah, you I mean, I think it's awesome, man. I've been a collector at heart forever and just the things that I collected changed. So I did baseball cards with my dad for a while. Then I did basketball cards with my friends in Florida. We lived there for a while. Then I did beanie babies with my sister and uh, magic, the gathering cards. I was really into that. So like throughout my childhood and young adulthood, I always collected something. And, and it's fun because I know that the hobby world has kind of two sides. There's the people who just collect what they love, and then there's people that are looking at it as investments, that are flipping cards or investment. And I'm a little bit of both in that, like, there can be cards that to everyone else they're, they're not worth anything, but to me, I'm like, I love this card for whatever reason. Um, but there's also, like, the Beanie Baby example. Like, my sister and I, one of my youngest childhood memories, like getting close with my sister, was over Beanie Babies that she got. She like bought some and then sold them for more money. I'm like, wait, you can sell Beanie Babies? She's like, oh yeah. And I was like, okay, let's go. So like, we would go all over town, bike to the you know to the collectible card store and buy Beanie Babies, and then go over to a different store and try and sell them for more. So like, it's fun being able to like play both sides of that. Yeah. What I think is interesting going on with what you're doing and what I was thinking about as you were explaining this is that. The way the Tops Project 2020 evolved, especially with the artists doing their own custom cards or custom work, uh, how you sign cards in limited quantity. You know, there's a short term play and there's a long term play, right? And I think that captured a lot of the short term play. But what do you see for the long term play uh, when, as this progress, as this like finishes up? What do you see as the short term play? All right, you know, I got in, I got out of, um, you know, my own stash. Sure. And then, like, what do you think is going to be a long-term play, either A, with those cards, and B, with what you're doing as well? Sure. So, I think in the short term, moving
moving the autographs is, is great because we have the interest, the cards are hot, they're top of mind. I want to do that. And, you know, that helps with cash flow and helps me be able to expand my business. And, and that in itself, like, allows me to, like, kind of play and, like, try different art styles and kind of push myself. Um, the long-term play, I think that this Tops 2020 set is going to be an iconic set. And I think that in five or ten years, people are going to look back and be like, man, I should have bought more of those cards. Um, I'm buying a lot of the cards, and, and honestly, a lot of them I'm stashing because I think that the long-term value, regardless of what the secondary market is doing like right now, yeah. I think that the long-term value of the cards is going to be significantly higher than the retail price that everyone paid for the card. There might be exceptions to that with a few that were like very, very high print runs, mm-hmm. but I think in general... Any of my cards, I think, are going to be considered super short print runs because this is not the last project I'm doing with Tops. I've already started negotiating uh, the next several sets through 2021 and 2022. Uh, so it looks like there will be like at least four more cards working with them, and, and that could ex- you know that could go on for however long. Like they sure. they've basically told me like we would like to have you in a, an exclusive Tops artist and like just working with us and I and not working with competitors. And I said, well. You know, I'm okay with that as long as if you if you have enough work for me, for sure. if you have enough work for me, I'll come down and just stay in house uh, tops. So I think that like if we start moving forward and I I produce a set for tops that is maybe not a print on demand like web product, and it's just a box you know set of hacks or something like those a print run of those is hundreds of thousands of cards like hundreds and hundreds. Of thousands. Right, your work's going to be in the hands of a much wider audience. Right. So when that happens, and then people look back at like. My Donnie Baseball Tops 2020 card, which is like 2,400 print run, that's going to be really hard to get. Um, so, and that's that's a card that I don't even have that as many as I would want. So, like, I'm buying the Monkey Bay right now for like 150 bucks a card. I'm happy to do it because I think that like long term, that's going to be one of the rarest cards. If I remember correctly, you did something with Manningly Charity. Your, your card. So, Manningly Charity is, is buying. Every Donnie Baseball Project 2020 okay. card, having Don sign it and then auctioning it off for charity. Right. So that wasn't like a dual autograph. That was just him autographing my card and signing it, uh, selling it for charity. Is, is, is there a player that's in this that you would that's alive that if like if I really had the opportunity to meet one more player that's in this group of twenty that's alive, yeah. who would it be? Well. So I've talked to Mark McGuire. I mean, I met him as a kid, but I haven't met him since I've been an adult. So I think meeting up with him would be really cool. We do have dual auto cards coming out soon, which is very exciting. He said, hey, anytime you're in SoCal, hit me up and we'll you know, get lunch or whatever, which would be great. Um, and the other ones, I mean, Jeter would be really cool. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. would be really cool. Um, I mean, really, like, you look at the set. They're all legends. Sure. So... Anybody in the set would be a dream. And, uh, Ricky Henderson would be cool. Because I remember, like, when we were growing up, going to A's games, by that time, Ricky had been traded to the Yankees, but my dad had been a fan before I was born, too. So, like, he loved, when we were growing up, like, Ricky was his guy and Mark yeah. was my guy. Uh, Mark was kind of both our guy. But, um, so he would be really cool. But, yeah, I mean, anybody in the set's just... Yeah, it, it is. Oh. This must be an exciting process for someone who grew up a baseball fan, you know, to be able to connect with these players and, and put your own spin on these iconic cards because they are, like you said, uh, they're going to project out farther, you know, as time goes. 
like one of your other ventures is card art. Yes. So how did that start and what's that about? Sure. So when Top sent me the first care package of cards and we opened the heritage box, I almost immediately put them down on the ground and started splatter painting on them and kind of customizing these cards and turning any base card into like a one of one piece of art. And we started giving those away and sharing them online and people really you know, responded really well to them. And so now we've kind of taken that uh, model of painting on cards and expanded it into an actual business, which is cardart.com. And right now it's just me making art on top of existing baseball cards. And kind of the vision for the future is having a whole stable of artists and having allowing them a platform to paint on baseball cards or create their own cards, uh, and not even just baseball, any sport. And use you know our platform to promote and so i think that like that's another benefit that like i never saw coming into project 2020 is that it would not only lead to like more business for my business it would lead to other businesses so card art's one of them another one is pretty big news which is the podcast i started with matt uh we're on episode three is about to launch which is really exciting and that's super fun we have like so many awesome guests we're interviewing you know professional athletes other artists uh sports writers it's really it's really cool uh project as well so it's been awesome right so the business has really expanded past what you thought it was in a really short amount of time right yeah and i mean and also by building those type of platforms and businesses around having the platform that i do now like those will continue no matter what so i do hope to continue working with tops but if i don't continue working with tops i still now i have three businesses that i'm you know partners in instead of just one coming into it so it's been awesome if people want to get a hold of you that are listening, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, whether it's social, website? Um, yeah, so Twitter is where I'm most active if people want to have a conversation. Just Twitter at Blake Jameson. And then uh, my website is blake.art. I'm migrating everything in the past. I've had several different websites. Everything's going there now, blake.art. Simple, easy to spell. And then on Instagram, Athlete Portraits. And then YouTube, I live stream every single night, Monday through Friday, 10.23 p.m., youtube.com slash Blake James. Blake, I really appreciate your time. It's 